Thank you for joining us on another episode of Ditch the Job. Let's do this. What's up, Ditch the Job listeners? Mark Caberti, the podcasting coach here, helping people launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. And when it comes to ditching your job, one of the things you have to do is figure out how you're going to grow your business, the thing you're working on on the side while still making salary. And you got to figure out, you know, investing the salary into the business while still keeping up with living expenses and things like that. So we actually have a guest on for this episode who was living on $25,000 in salary while growing what has now become a multi-million dollar business. So a little more on our guest. She is the co-founder of Boomer Benefits, which is an award-winning agency that specializes in Medicare insurance for baby boomers. Our guest and her business partner bootstrapped an agency from a first-year income of thirteen grand to nearly eight figures annual revenue in 2019. So our guest who joins us for this episode of This the Job is none other than Danielle Roberts. Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. How are you? My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. And I feel like your story of going in that $25,000 in salary, really being able to build up your business is the epitome of what I feel like a lot of listeners want to achieve for themselves. So I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the beginning stages of that journey. So what was it like to be making this 25 grand a year and then having this money deciding like, you know, where to put it like in your business, making sure you're paying off living expenses. Like what was that time like? Yeah, I know that a lot of your listeners probably can relate, but when you think you want to go and start something yourself and you're interested in being an entrepreneur, it can really be hard at first to figure out what it is that you want to do. So I had spent a significant amount of time just looking. I used to cruise the monster board trying to figure out what could I go and do? How could I start my own business? And I looked for quite a while before I stumbled into an opportunity to build an insurance agency and I learned about this industry. And as soon as I found it, I thought, this is the thing that I could do with very little out of pocket. I can start this business working out of my own home. I'm not going to have to have any inventory. I won't have food that's on a shelf that's spoiling. And it was a really low barrier to entry to get in. So as soon as I knew that I wanted to pursue this opportunity, I went to my boss at the staffing agency where I had worked for more than 10 years. I had worked myself to a district manager position and was just really burnt out at the end of those 10 years. And I was just honest with him about that. He was a very successful entrepreneur, actually still is here in Fort Worth today. And I said, listen, I'm not gonna stay. I don't wanna do this job anymore. I've had a great experience here. However, as I launch into this thing that I wanna go and do, and I told him about my plans, with him being an entrepreneur, I hoped he could relate, and he was actually very receptive to the conversation. I said, listen, there's this little piece that I do for you that no one else here knows how to do. So how would you feel about maybe paying me a reduced salary from what I'm making now? And I'll work a couple hours a week and I'll handle this one little piece. And he actually agreed to it. And he agreed to keep me on uh, the health insurance benefits too, which was of course really generous of him. So I was able to quit the job, ditch the job, I guess you could say. And then go and work on starting my insurance agency. And certainly living on $25,000 a year is not easy at all. 
there were times when it was eating peanut butter at the end of the month. <laughs> and, you know, you just make it work because you have that fire inside of you that makes you want to go and start your own thing. And I decided that if I had that money to live on, then I would build my agency without any cash infusion. Instead, I would just use good old elbow grease. And so I went around to businesses and I knocked on doors and said, listen, I'm a new insurance agent. I'd like to quote your group health insurance. When do you come up for renewal? Sometimes it wasn't for eight or 10 months, but I would leave my card and I just sort of took a girl next door approach. And it really worked. And after a few months, people started calling me back and they were letting me quote their insurance. And little by little, I was able to have some money coming into the business. And so that's how my first maybe year to a year and a half went. And I continued doing that little part-time job for probably five or six years, even well into the money earning years in my business, just because to the employer who let me have that. And so we waited until an appropriate time in person came up on his staff that I could train so she could take that over and I could move on. And so it worked out really well for everyone. And that's a really fascinating story because when people think about ditching the job, uh, they think about just like getting out, never working for that person <laughs> again. But I love what Danielle did because there are some people who are really worried about the money because, you know, if you ditch your job and you, your business is improving, yet you're suddenly going from whatever money you were making to zero. I mean, I know some people who literally went from six figures to nothing because, you know, they ditched their job and they didn't have a plan yet. So uh, sometimes, you know, it's worth it to talk with the boss, be a hard worker and then maybe in Danielle's case, you're able to negotiate where you don't work as many hours, you do something very specialized, you make less money, but it is enough money to keep you afloat. And I know 25 grand may not sound like a lot, but I mean, it is better than not receiving anything while still being able to fully pursue this side thing that you have and make it more of like a closer to full-time role. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, one of the things I thought about was I'm just going to do this and I don't need to have pride about it because I'm going to feel pride in what I'm building. And so, you know, I'm just going to have to brown bag my lunch and I won't have to, you know, there's there some things that I won't be able to do. I can remember talking with my girlfriends about it saying, don't invite me out to eat because I can't go for a little while. I'm just going to be scarce. And that's how I lived my life for that first little bit. So, you know, sometimes ditching the job might not always mean ditching the whole job. You certainly could at least ask the employer that you're leaving. And the worst thing they can do is say no. And you don't want to ask that question until you're at the point where if they fire you in the same conversation, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I've run across a few other entrepreneurs over the last decade or so who did something similar. So you can get enough just to keep the lights on. It makes that burden and stress. You're going to have enough worries on your plate with everything you're trying to build. So if you have a little income coming in from something else, um, whether it's a job that you've left or something that you do on the side, like Uber driving, then you're going to find that you're going to make ends meet a little quicker. And the more elbow grease you put in, the faster your business will grow. And you do bring up a very interesting point because a lot of people they want to bring up, like that's one of the reasons I started this show because a lot of people have the glamour. It's like, you know, I left my job. I was done with it. Now look at me. I'm making like <laughs> a trillion dollars a second. Like it's amazing. But that's not what happens at all. It is, uh, you know, Danielle really mentioned a great point, like not being able to eat out anymore and the sacrifices, uh, can be short term, can maybe even be years, depending on how long it takes for you to uh, get going. 
I'm wondering what allowed you to power through those kinds of sacrifices because, I mean, that's just one example, but I'm sure this affected you in other areas of life as well. But uh, how did the sacrifices you make affect you in relation to the kind like building your business? Yeah, it really focuses you because when you are living on that little bit of income, or even if you're someone that totally left your job and you're living on your savings, you have a reason to succeed. And so I found that it was actually a lot easier for me to pour all of my energy into the business. I was willing to work 60, 80 hours a week mm -hmm. to try to make this happen. And so although there were some sacrifices and there's some tough times, it also can really just hone your ability to narrow in on the things that work. So, you know, when I was out there bootstrapping and learning what was working, I figured, you know, what else can I pick up along the way? So I would start thinking things that I could offer, ways that I could follow up. If I met with a really small business owner and they didn't have group health insurance, I would ask them, do you need help with an individual policy? And so anything that I could add into the mix there were, were things that I was actively always thinking about because there's that stress at the end of the month that you have to make ends meet. You need to be able to pay your mortgage and you want to be able to live a good life. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a good thing in terms of getting the business off the ground because at least for me, it really energized me in terms of digging in and doing the things that really count. And some of those things are not fun. You know, if you are bootstrapping a business, cold calling, front door cold calling like I was doing is not fun. You will certainly have days where you wake up and you're like, oh, I just can't face this. But you can bargain with yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to go in and put in eight hours of this today. And then tomorrow, you know, I'll only do four or I'll spend an afternoon, you know, doing administrative or follow up. So think about the things that are going to move the needle. And when you get up every day, that's the thing that you need to be focused on. And you'll find that if you are somebody that's digging into your savings to try to make those ends meet, you'll be able to focus on that a lot better than maybe you think you will going in. Yeah. And I do find that really fascinating how the sacrifice and stuff like really drives you. I mean, it's easier to get all in on your business when, you know, like you're sacrificing like because yeah. that's an investment. It's the equivalent of like investing like $100,000 into something. Because that's like, if you invest $100,000 into something, you're going to take it far more seriously than if you don't invest a single penny in it. And I mean, it's not just like you put $100,000 in. It's also like when you ditch your job, like what's the salary that you're not making? That's sort of like an investment in the business because of that extra time that you get. Uh, during those moments when you... Uh, did you want to add something or no? I didn't mean to. I just thought that was a really excellent point. You're oh. on that. I want to thank you. I mean, one of the things that I do want to address is they're like doing the, uh, you know, door to door. That is the hardest form of marketing. I've never done it. I have a ton of respect for people who do it. It may not like Facebook ads. If you can get that going, like it's a little easier to scale, but I feel like if you could do door to door, you could really do any kind of marketing. But one question I do have is, you were mentioned like you were talking about the peanut butter. You were talking about, you know, the door to door and like, you know, like, can I, do I, I, can I really be doing this anymore or something like that? Uh, how did you decide like, because you could just like, since you had a good relationship with your boss, you could be like, I tried this. It didn't work. Can I just go back to the way things were? What allowed you to not bend and break and just keep going with what you were doing? I think when you have been looking for that opportunity long enough and you are just, 
you know, a lot of times you're going to be so burnt out on what you're leaving. The idea of going back and having to ask for your full-time job back and then return to doing that thing that you worked so hard to get away from, that's really motivating, you know, because you do think about it. You lay there at night thinking about how you're going to grow the business tomorrow and what's going to happen if you don't grow the business and what are you going to do from here. And so your mind just goes a mile a minute trying to figure out those things. But you have a lot of motivation in the fact that you don't want to go back to the thing that, that you left. You know, obviously you left there for a reason. There's not a lot of job satisfaction there and you want to make this new thing work. So I've actually seen people who will pivot from one business to another before they would go back and take an old job. And you don't even know if your former employer would take you back, but even the idea of going and getting a new job and still being on someone else's payroll is enough or at least it was for me enough to motivate me to keep plugging away at the business. And you know, another, you're looking at business ideas, something you want to think about is what type of business is something that's going to help you build and scale. So for me, choosing the insurance industry was great because if I sell a policy, I'm going to get paid a commission on that policy this month and next month and the month after. Mm. So every policy that I'm putting on the books, that policy is going to pay me until the day that the client cancels the policy. So even when you would have a bad day and you would think to yourself like, oh, you would just get down because somebody went back to work and got group health insurance and they canceled their policy with you. Well, you know, you still have all those other policies that you put on the books that are paying you and that helps you kind of to weather that storm. So if, if it's going to be tight for you starting a new business, you want to be careful upfront and thinking about what kind of business that you get into, one that isn't going to require a lot of investment upfront, one that you can put elbow grease into if you don't have any other funds to invest in the business. You want to be thinking about that and then thinking about something that within a few months to a year, you're going to have at least a significant income coming in to help make ends meet. I made $13,000 in my first year in business. And although that sounds like nothing, I wasn't buying any leads because I was generating them myself throughout my own working effort. So I had very few business expenses that were coming out of that account. So if you add that to 25,000, now I'm at 38,000, which is a little easier to make ends meet. And from there, of course, it just took off. So those are some of the things to think about if you are going to make a leap. You want to make a leap that you've really thought through the finances on it and something that you think reasonably you can get off the ground in the next 12 months. And I do love that model where you make the sale once and money keeps coming back to you month after month after month or year after year after year, depending on how it's set up. Um, and I could see how, you know, if you just get more people, it's not like you have to chase after the same individuals, you just keep getting the money. So I see how the money point is scalable. So you definitely picked a good model, but I mean, picking a good model is just only part of the equation. And I feel like it is so fascinating how you went from 13 grand in your first year to now being on the road to having an eight figure year. And I'm wondering what was the, uh, a few of the key actions you took that really led to that kind of a transformation. Yeah. So some of the things that I did was at that time, people used to run appointments face to face in the insurance industry. So I was doing that with my group health business, but I realized that there was going to come a point where I couldn't scale that. So I wanted to be able to purchase leads that I could work from the phone. 
So I started taking all the money that I put into the business and then reinvesting that into buying leads. So maybe I would sell a policy and I might make a commission that was 50 bucks. Well, I could buy five leads for that. And so then I'm now, instead of running appointments with time, I'm also supplementing that with calling. Um, these are people who have gone online and entered their information and are looking for help. So one of the key things was living as tight as I could with my personal expenses so that I can invest the profits that I was earning in the business back into it. I also went and found a local health underwriters association and no matter what industry you work in, you can bet that there's some type of professional association that you can join. And something that really worked for me was on the first day that I went to that meeting, at the end I introduced myself to the president and said I'm a brand new member, but I'm willing to help out in any capacity. Do you have any board positions that uh, are vacant that you really need someone for? And if you know anything about those associations, when someone doesn't fill a board position, that, that input of who, the workload for that position falls back onto the chapter president. So of course, position open and he was more than happy to hand it over to me since no one else had volunteered. And I started in a membership position. So like literally within my second meeting of the association, I was already on the board. And I was able to quickly find a niche within insurance that, that a lot of other people in that group weren't doing. A lot of them were group and individual health insurance agents. I had started by that time doing a little bit of Medicare insurance. And this happened when people would say to me, hey, thanks for helping me with my insurance, but can you help my mom? She's turning 65. None of this stuff makes sense. Can you help? And I was doing a lot of those type of policies. I had felt that they, they just were a little easier for me to connect with people on the phone and make those kind of sales. So I realized that a lot of other people in the association weren't doing that type of insurance. So I networked with all the other people on the board. And because I was a membership person, that put me in touch with basically everyone in the chapter whenever I wanted to. And I would explain who I was and mention what I did. Well, the next time they had a request for that kind of stuff, they would think of me and call me. And that, that board position started off like that, me a total introvert, afraid to even go to the meeting, volunteering for the board position. Six years later, I was the president. Then I moved on to two years on the state board. And that one effort that I made resulted in hundreds and hundreds of leads for my businesses over the years. We still have referrals coming in for that today, even though I've now done my time as chapter president and not am not on the board anymore. It was a really great way to grow the business. And I think it's a little bit more focused than maybe joining a chamber of commerce where you're going to have people in lots of different types of industries. See if you can find a professional association. Even if you can't trade leads with other people there, you will be able to spend time with people who are already successful at the one trying to be successful at. So you're surrounding yourself all day long with people who've already been in your shoes. So when you do have a bad month or something gets you down, you have mentors all around you who can give you a pep talk, or if you have a question about something, a particular area where you're not succeeding, you can ask other people in your industry. And so that was a way that we were able to quickly bring leads into the business. And then about five years in, after we were kind of maxed out with um, what we were selling, I had my brother had joined me in the business by that point. We hired an employee, kind of duplicated ourselves, taught her how to do exactly what we were doing, 
And then when she was maxed out, we did that again and hired a fourth person. And so it's gone on like that ever since until um, just recently when we've hired our 50th employee now. Wow. And I want you guys to notice something there. It's not like Danielle said, you know, you, you take, there's this easy little thing that no one's really doing. It's a thing that no one's doing, not many people, but it's a lot of additional work. And it's something that a lot of people really did not want to do. So a lot of people are in, like they're searching for a shortcut. And based on what we've heard from Danielle, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, the easiest shortcut to find the simplest shortcut to find is the one that requires the most amount of work to the point where a lot of other people are not willing to put in the same amount of effort or expose themselves to that opportunity. So it's really fascinating how Danielle took this opportunity that no one else is really taking and was really able to use that to uh, expand your business. And one question I do have, I know at the beginning you did door to door. And then that turned into buying leads and that turned into other great stuff. I'm wondering if you had to go back and start all over, would you still do the door to door or would you just go right into buying leads uh, and the other stuff? Yeah, I don't, I know people in the industry who've, who've pursued this both ways. So in our position we did the bootstrap and so the benefit to that today is that we're the owners of the business we have no investors so when we sell the business 100% of that profit is going to go to in our pocket which is awesome well I also have friends in the industry who started with a cash investment either they had their parents or they went out and got investors or they invested their own money um, a lot of times in this industry you'll seek out a big investor that can give you a cash infusion of a couple million dollars well, then when you, on the back end, when it comes time to sell the business, you're paying back your investors as well. So you have to kind of look at both sides of that and determine. Um, I think considering where we're at today, I don't think I would change the bootstrapping. Uh, in fact, when I look back on those days, even though the cold calling is not something I want to repeat, uh, I'm fond of those memories because it was, you know, my own physical and mental effort going into the business that eventually created what I've built. One thing I would suggest if anyone is thinking about an insurance industry doing that today, there are far better things that you can do that I didn't have available to me at that time. So one of those would be social media. Um, we generate a tremendous amount of leads um, off of social media advertising and running a Facebook page that is, you know, caters to the age group that we work with, which are baby boomers. And I think it's so much easier today now to build that business because you can very cheaply run ads on social media. Most social media outlets, Facebook especially, is, is very inexpensive for my particular industry. And I would be able to have that opportunity. And so I might pursue that and building a website, which is something we didn't do until a couple of years in, and then going the online route a little more quickly than so. I think we finally put our website together in like 2009 or two, it was 2008 or nine. So it was a couple years into the business before we actually did that. And the reason that we resisted it is all these insurance agents were telling me, no, no, people don't buy insurance like that. They only buy insurance over the phone, especially seniors. They're not going to, I'm sorry, across the kitchen table. They're not going to buy over the phone is what they would tell me. And so at first that discouraged me a little and I kept running appointments, but then there comes a day where you can only do so many of those and you have more leads than time. So you have to make a decision. And I thought, you know, I don't care what they say. I'm going to go ahead and build a website. 
And I'm going to start people helping people with this by phone. If I have the right things on the website that I can point them to graphs and articles and things to look at to demonstrate what I'm showing, trying to tell them over the phone, I think they will buy insurance over the phone. And now of course today, 99% of the people that we work with are by phone. Our call center is here in Fort Worth, but we help people in 48 states. So certainly today I would go the online route a lot more quickly because as you know, Mark, being successful yourself and everything that you've done, that's a very good way to scale. You have Facebook and YouTube and lots of other things that you can do. Search engine optimization is a big one. And sometimes putting some effort into that might pay off more quickly than actually running appointments like I did back in the day. And I mean, it is a testament to how much marketing rapidly updates now to the point where, I mean, stuff from five years ago isn't really going to apply as much, uh, you know, today. And the same thing could be said five years later. I mean, door to door, like very few people do that now. You see more Facebook ads, you see more SEO roaming around. So it is a good point to say like, you know, it's a lot easier. Danielle, everything you heard from Danielle, she was doing this at a time where it was harder. And I feel like you should think about that as motivation for uh, if you listening to this are ditching your job or you are thinking about it, realize that it's easier now than it was before. You've got more tools in front of you. You've got easier ways to make connections, get in front of prospects. So I think that should really motivate you guys. And another thing that I think you should really be motivated by is Danielle herself, her story, her work. And I do feel like there are people listening who want to learn more about you and just continue following your work. So for all of those people listening to Ditch the Job, where are some good places we can continue following you on your journey? Sure. If you want to just take a look at how our website is set up and how we do business, boomerbenefits.com is a great place to find us. And uh, insurance-wise, it's probably one of the best sites for baby boomers, just because we've had so many years to sink our efforts into it now. So that's a great way. Um, also, you can connect with me on my personal brand site, which is daniellekroberts.com. On that site, I do a lot of uh, entrepreneurial type articles and money-related articles. And that's a great way if you want to reach out in person. If you are thinking about ditching your job and you just need a little extra motivation from an entrepreneur who's already been there, would love to connect you with them um, there. And also on LinkedIn, you can find me at my maiden name, which is Danielle Kunkel, K-U-N-K-L-E. So certainly could chat with any entrepreneurs there who have questions. Danielle, thank you so much for sharing those resources. We will throw all of those in the show notes. But once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure having you on Ditch the Job. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ditch the Job. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you could leave a quick review. We are a relatively new show and all those reviews are really going to add up. And if you want to talk with me about how you can boost your revenue, Schedule a free strategy call with me. See how we can work together. The link is markberry.com slash strategy for anyone who's interested. We will be throwing it in the show notes. But once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It is listeners like you who allow me to create new podcasts and do all these different projects that I love doing. So what I want you to do is to dream big, achieve greatness, and unlock your potential today.